Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. everybody and welcome to a very special episode of the rpg show presents um this is where normally you would come in and you would listen to us play DD, but um as you may have heard on the last episode we hit a pretty clear um delineation point where we could stop and talk about what's happened so far um and how we feel about that and just some stuff like that and with me i have not one but two guys i have let me pull my notes back up. My name's Brent. I'm your host. Yep, you got it. Uh, it'd be great if I had the notes up. Oh, no. You forgot your name? Yes, I forgot my name. My name's Brent. I'm the host, right? We can accomplish that, but I have two guys. And we have <laughs> Nick, the largest sword in the West, Gantner. How are you doing, man? Well, you know, dealing with this large sword, it's, it's starting to give me problems on my back. And just I don't really have anywhere to sheath it, you know? All right. And uh, with him today i have marcus skirmitar himself perez how you doing buddy i'm uh, doing good just messing around with skirmitars yep 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 and making fun of my intro look i look i worked long and hard on that intro okay all right you don't have to make fun of me it's, it's, it's all in good fun it's it's okay all right just don't don't make fun of me all right so um First things first, uh, you're not going to have a whole lot to contribute to this discussion, but um, coming soon to, um, you may have heard the past couple of episodes, I've been pitching the Twitch channel, but those of you listening to the review show know a little more about that. i am also been pitching the YouTube content, and upcoming soon is uh, Nick finally got his copy of Kingdom Death Monster. Um, tell us a little about, about, about that process. How long did it take us to actually get our hands on that game, Nick? Um, I think it was like three, three, four years, something like that. Like yeah. it's been ever since I started the job at Clay Home Medical. So however long that was, it's been about three years to be honest with you. Wow. Um, we kickstarted this project a long time ago. Into hold on, hold on. We <laughs> Nick kickstarted this project a long time ago. Um, because he's one with spare funds or used to be. Uh, and to explain the game to you, Marcus, it's it's essentially a it's a it's like a board game, right? And it is dark as fuck, right? You basically take off, start off as like these lone survivors that are mostly naked that wake up in this dark place and then are attacked by a lion. And all you really have to defend yourself is like these pieces of rock and like, you know, you only really have like a cloth waist. And it's so easy for characters to die. And essentially through the game, you, um, you build a settlement, uh, research things build armor like it's a it's it's very role playy um but it does have that tabletop game mechanic and it is a deep long game uh, me and nick spent almost eight, eight hours, hours and we got through maybe a quarter of what the game has to offer if that oh, wow. we got three years and it's typically a 25 year like cycle for the game because at um like during each each phase i guess or cycle, I guess we'll go with cycle, because you get three phases in each cycle. You get your settlement phase, you get your hunting phase, and you get your showdown phase. And then that's considered one year, which is like one cycle. And then there's 25 years, where then at the end of the 25th year, you fight the big bad, um, and that's your win or lose. Like, you either win the game or you lose right there. But over the course of the game, things can happen where you can either shorten or lengthen the total length of the game to give you more time to prepare yourself for the final confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, I don't know how to explain it other than it's very, it, in my opinion, because this is going to be like a quasi-review, what me and Nick here are doing, um, in my opinion, it is the best cooperative experience I've gotten out of a cooperative tabletop game, because we've played a few of them, right? I mean, we've played a handful of cooperative tabletop games, and to me, 
this felt the most cooperative. Like there was no point in me trying me trying to have any of my characters better than your characters. There was zero zero point in it. It was very like we have to work together or we're going to die. Exactly. And it's not like your your characters aren't your characters per se cuz anybody yeah. anybody playing yeah, the game yeah, can yeah. play those characters yeah. and it's meant to be um, not necessarily played with the same set of people. Like if you have a bunch yeah. of gaming groups, you can bring the game and continue one storyline mm-hmm. with a bunch of different players, and anybody can play any character. And like I'm, that's kind of a hit or miss for me because some people will get attached to the characters they've made. Yeah, like, yeah obviously, like me and Brent have. Um, like it's like you're not touching Spence, and then I'm not touching Merc or Dirk or anybody. Merc Derp. Uh, what do I? I got like Derpina. Is that one of them? I don't remember. You've got the stupidest fucking. I've got name. the stupidest names. Like I was naming them terrible things, and um, I don't know. Like, uh, what would you say, Nick, is your biggest issue with the game from what we've played so far? Issue. Uh, if you ever pick a thing that you didn't like, you think they could improve on? Um. You know, I don't think I've experienced enough to draw any huge criticism of it. Okay. Like, like because it, it fits the theme. Like the gameplay fits the theme. It's easy it. to die, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. Like, but at the same time, it doesn't feel as challenging as the Cthulhu games we've played, right? Like, it is challenging, uh, and it feels difficult without, like, this out-of-nowhere fuck-you-in-a-gaping-eye-hole kind of difficulty. Well, it's sort of like that because it's a scaling thing, but the scale is like a sheer cliff, and then once you mount that cliff, it kind of plateaus out until you get to the, presumably the next encounter. We've only fought one creature. Fair enough. We don't know enough, how the rest enough. of them are going to go, um, but you can modify the difficulty of the creatures before you fight them anyway. Like We've only been yeah. fighting the level lion where we've kind of plateaued on that. We might be able to go to the next difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like you make your own game kind mm-hmm. of deal. Like... Mm-hmm. But I guess if I had to say that I can improve on anything, would be possibly doing more than just the prologue to learn the game and being more descriptive yeah. with the rules. And like I during feel... the prologue, they give you like, oh, this is kind of what you do, mm-hmm. and then they they forget to include all these kind of rules that most people who are, but I would say ninety nine percent of the people that are getting this game have played tabletop games before, mm-hmm. they understand what they're getting into, and they are perfectly capable of understanding all of the advanced rules if you put them all in at the same time. Yeah. Because having like taking them out and then having to search through that shit, like you may not even know you need them until you happen upon them like I did the other day. Because we were we were um playing without uh, there's like there's a rule where if you get a crit wound, then you can spend a survival point to give your character like a permanent bonus to a stat and we weren't doing that and we crit wounded a bunch yeah with all these leftover survival points that we ended up wasting on bullshit so yeah. that would have been nice to know mm-hmm. from the get-go because that, that's that, that's my only thing right now yeah um my thing would be i think they could streamline the setup of the game right there are a lot of pieces a lot of boards and while that's necessary and that's a common theme through a lot of tabletop games um, that's tends to be my least favorite part is when you look at a two hour setup for a game, you know, and especially I have a very large table to play on, you know, and we ran out of room, you know, and I feel like some of those boards, like the main board should have flipped over and had those other two boards on the bottom instead of them being additional pieces. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you, you don't like the hunt track or whatever. And, yeah. Uh... And like, there's like card pile side stuff on the side of the on the board that could have been made into the hunt track. Um, there are tokens that you they instead of you know they could have double sided the tokens to make them more useful. Um, well, they are. There's minus stats and plus stats on the same token. Well, some of the status effects they could have flopped on. They could have made. Um, they should have differentiated the token because it takes like whenever we have to find a token for something, it takes an insubordinate amount of time. Right. So I feel like, um, they could have done better, like varying the size and use of those tokens. Um, I feel like for the money that you're putting into the models, they should make a little base that you could like, like a little spinny base, like almost like hero clicks has that you could use to identify those problems, you know? Um, 
instead of you know a thousand cardboard tokens because we're not talking about a, a hundred dollar game here <laughs> i mean how much did it end up costing you uh, it was like 300 or something like that. Exactly. It's a very expensive game. And they're already sort of pitching almost like a freemium model, but it's not. It's like a premium and then super premium model where you have to keep issuing out money for all these these extra models and stuff. Um, so, I mean, I, I get like I feel like there could have been more for your money and a better streamline of setup and play than what's there. Um, but uh, some of the stuff that worked for me, is in the book like all the quests and story story points are like laid out in the book in such an amazing way right like each of them has this descriptive intro what's happening and it's very sort of visceral and vivid everything they tell you and describe to you it it invokes an image without having to think too hard about it and to me that's always an awesome addition to the experience because you can always choose to forego that stuff to create your own sort of creative experience but when the makers of the game sort of give the universe such a rich and developed flavor without having to um put extra work on the end user i always find is 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 an awesome bonus yeah i agree they definitely went all in on the lore like there's Like there's been nothing that I was disappointed with in the lore at all, and it, that's definitely exceeded my expectations. So, but um, overall, so let's uh, so let's do this like we would do a major review show, really, um, where we break it down into um, we, we, we've we got three categories on tabletop games. What would you say those three cate- categories are? What, what like um, well, we could do aesthetic. Aesthetic. Okay. And we got gameplay. Gameplay. Okay. Yeah, I would probably say um, accessibility, maybe. Sure, like ease of use, accessibility. We can do that. Yeah, like intro cost to play. So like if like so like a game like um like oh, Warhammer. Yes, it would be very prohibitive. So that would be something against this game. Is it's it, it's uh, so for its, its accessibility, it's very prohibitive. Um, it is expensive. It was a limited run. Like people are just now starting to get Kickstarter backs on these things. Um, there's the the setup. I would consider part of um, ease of use accessibility. Um, there's all the models you have to put together, and they're very. I was watching Nick do it. There's no way I would have been able to put these models together. There's itty bitty. There's, there's pieces that are like three fingers. Like how the fuck are you supposed to like, do that? You got like a millimeter that you got to hold on to to attach it to the the model, and you're like, fuck. I didn't realize I needed tweezers to put this shit together. Yeah. So um, I would say that. And then what would you give it? For gameplay, well, so all right, so accessibility out of five, what would you give it? Um, a one. Yeah, I'd give it a one. Like, it, like, yeah. My reasoning would be because currently it's such a limited run. I mean, obviously in the future, with all the money they made off of this, they're gonna have copies at the Wazoo eventually. Um, big issue that I have with it is that they're promoting all these expansions, and those are going to be costly as well mm-hmm. because of the miniatures included. Oh, but I um, can't wait. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's I know. Tough. It's it's kind of hype. Um, like, I feel like if they sold just the materials separately, like mm-hmm. the like, – because all you need is the deck for the creature yeah, and then maybe some of, like, the encounter lore, and mm-hmm. then you're set. That's all you need because you can reuse models. Yeah. Like, we're, I, I had only built the lion model, and I was considering using that just for every monster that had a similar kind of base to it. So it's not that big of a deal. If that if that breaks your immersion, then that's obviously going to be a big deal for you. But I don't have the artistic capacity required or the time to actually model and paint these things and make yeah. them look good. Yeah. And that is also a big thing against it. Well, I know it's a miniatures-based game. Yeah. Um, but I would always prefer, even if it's, even if it's kind this- of middling quality to have a pre-painted and pre-modeled exactly like i think they could have opted for a really well because like 3d printing is getting to a point where they can do really good stuff um for a premium cost and i think for as much as you're paying for these models there should have at least been because i'm telling you like if they could have like alter the level like you can say all right do you want to the pieces to put together you have a more detailed product you can paint it yourself or do you want the pre-painted pre-assembled miniatures for a cheaper price you'll have a less um less adequate product but you have that choice like there's a difference between a, a 
an entry level and a premium model. You see what I'm saying? I think that would have been a good business model for them to go for. Yeah, um, well, hopefully in the future. Or something. All right. So aesthetics. And we'll we'll consider um like quality of materials part of aesthetics as well. So like what we like the book, like how good was the book and that kind of stuff. Like was it shitty paper, was it good paper? That kind of stuff will fall into aesthetics when we do these. Okay. Um what would you give aesthetics? I'd give it a five. Okay. Because the the material that the book was made of is high quality. The only issue I have is they fucked it up, or at least my copy. Mm-hmm. There's like ten or twelve pages. They have that, a staple mark in them. Yeah, some like huge ass staple mark and then I'm like, Are you shitting me right now? Yeah. Um the I don't think they had an editor over it because as I was flipping through reading things, there was a plethora of just errors, mm-hmm. like gr- grammatical yeah. errors, spelling errors, and I'm like Alrighty. So, at least currently, it hasn't caused any rule conflicts, and I don't think it will. But it's still it was kind of jarring. Like mm-hmm. this is supposed to be a high quality product, and there's these stupid things going on in it, like yeah. these mistakes that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um. But the materials are fantastic quality. The board's great. The cards are great. The tokens are great. Um. The models themselves are great. Like you obviously get what you pay for for that. Um. Yeah, like aesthetically, it's great, and I'm sure if somebody has the time to sit down and make them look fantastic, that it'll even be even better looking. Yeah, um, I would give it a four based on the almost beta quality of the printed materials. Like you said, I had it for less time than you did, and I found a plethora of mistakes myself. And I feel like that's a letdown for people that made so much money and had so much time to produce a finished product. Put a little more time in your book and your printed materials. The cards. While they were good, I felt like they could have been put on better cardstock. Those cards are going to be easily damaged, um, and I guarantee you they're not going to be easy to replace. Um, there's little things like that. Um, the models are of excellent quality. The um, the visuals in the book are amazing. I feel like they could have put a little more effort into the bonus comic. Like some of like that was very sort of like napkin sketchy kind of like drawings. But a lot of the um, a lot of the artwork in the book is very visceral, very sort of um, evokes emotion. You know, like it's either terrifying or rad or whatever you want to view. Um, every each of the borderline mo- service. E- e- yes, very like there. Jesus Christ. Um, and there's there's enough varied sort of like I think each of the monsters have enough aesthetic and lore behind them. You know that kind of thing. It was the overall experience was great, but for what you paid for it and what for how long it took them to produce the product, I feel like the finishing touches should have been there. So I'm only going to give it a four. Um, cool. I enjoy it so much because it's the type of like aesthetic that I really want. Like it's got like a berserk type. Well, that's of- and that's fine. I'm not I'm not I'm not faulting you for it. You know, I think and I agree with you, it's an amazing aesthetic and the world they've built is amazing. But um it's, and it's not like my opinion, me talking to the ether on the internet in the middle of nowhere is really affecting their bottom line. They made tons of money on this thing. And I just feel like it's kind of like it's kind of a letdown because it wasn't perfect. If it came out in the book, there was no errors in the book. There was no um, like everything was of superb deluxe quality like they pitched. Then it would have been a full five without even thinking. But I got to take a point off for the like the grammatical like just phrasing errors like they had words in wrong places like these were major errors in in the written context in this stuff and it, i just feel like they could have spent more spend less time worrying about making extra buy-in models and more time having someone read over your goddamn instruction book you see what i'm saying say yes um gameplay um i'll go ahead and i'll say i'll give it a i'll give it a five um, I feel like the difficulty is just right as far as from what we've played. Um, this may change, you know, but um, I feel like the difficulty is right. It's forgiving enough when characters die, unlike some of the, um, like, Arkham games that we've played. Like, a character dies, and it's, like, the worst consequence ever. You might as well not be playing anymore. Um, like, I feel like killing off a character in this game is almost a strategy, you know? So um, I, I like a lot of the stuff that goes on there, how you combat, like what you sort of do in combat, what you can and can't do, how um, characters are damaged. I really like that, that uh, like 
points of impact thing. It makes it random and exciting every time you get hit. Like you, you're just like, oh god, is it gonna be nothing or is it gonna kill my character? I kind of it's it's kind of fun. It keeps it entertaining. Um, so full five from me. What about you? Um, I'll also give it a five because they could have they could have easily half-assed it and then like made things kind of bare bones, but they go in depth with almost every system. Like. There's like layers upon layers of everything you can do in this game. And me and you were having a conversation before where you said this feels like it should have been a video game. Mm-hmm. That's so a tabletop game. So, um, and I could see how it would work in either case. And it's a very codified game. Very codified. It's, like it's hard. Like you can't go wrong. Like if there's any, we have, there's any rule discrepancies. Um, it's, it, I'm, I'm just, we haven't run into any, any yet, but I'm sure it'll be few and far between because they kind of, they, give you all the information you would need eventually if you find it in the book like you have to find it first but you'll get all the information you need um and then there should be nothing wrong with that and like it's like it's realistic sort of like it's Mm -hmm. visceral Mm -hmm. it's like it's not like oh you got these heroes and they're gonna save the day it's like you've got these fucking humans and they're kind of dumb there's shit they're jack shit. They just came out of the fucking primordial ooze, yeah. Yeah, and then like the it's survival of the fittest, and you're trying to survive, and it's definitely an experience for sure. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Marcus, trust me, man. If you were local, I would invite you to play this game in a heartbeat. I think you'd had a real good time with it. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Um, it's intense, man. It's intense. Uh, but the reason we have you here today is because at this point, um, well, that's essentially that's our review of. King to Death people keep an eye out on the YouTube channel. It's not really a great video, and we're kind of just like getting up and moving around and shit. It's, you know, it's not the best, but it's just sort of something to look at. Um, and if you want us to improve and actually watch a good thing, we yep. will let us know and we will do our best to improve on that. Yeah, it was kind of just like a sneak peek thing. Yeah, see if, if it's something we felt like we could do on a regular basis. And of course, we would have to get better cameras and a better setup for it. But that's something I'm willing to do if there's enough community interest. Okay, but the reason we have you here, Marcus, is we've sort of, what have we been playing D&D for a couple months now? This is what, you know, so, um, and I kind of wanted to get your feel on how do you feel about role-playing games thus far? So this is like your real first foray into it. Where do you feel you stand right now? Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, It's definitely a different completely different experience from any, any other kind of video game I've played. Mm-hmm. I've done like the MMOs and FPS and all that, but this is like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, um, what's that? Have you told people that you're doing this and have they tried to ostracize you? No. Well, yeah, I have told people and I have not been ostracized. Well, Marks is a big guy. All right, Nick, like, He'll he'll like body slam you if you don't you fucking fuck with him. <laughs> like, Damn. Okay. I, I wouldn't fuck with Marcus. He'd kick me. Duly ass. noted. <laughs> like he's a big guy. Um, but no. Uh, it just I don't know. Uh, so what are some things that you think? Uh, like you had. I everybody does before they play games like this. You go in with these preconceived notions about what the game's gonna be like. Did you have any of those? And what were they? Um, I felt like it was going to be, like, a lot slower paced and, like, a lot more challenging, really. Okay. Like, a lot more, um, like, critical thinking about situations and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Um, and what were your, did you have any preconceived notions about what it meant to role play, almost? I mean, I kind of had an idea where you, um... No, you you pretend you're a character, mm-hmm. in a sense. Okay. Okay. Um, and how have those those ideas changed in the past couple months for you? Well, you kind of um, where I thought it was like where you kind of had to get like into a character, almost like you're acting. Mm-hmm. But we kind of just. The pressure's not there with this group. Though, exactly. That's for sure. Um. And we haven't had a whole lot of time to flourish with it. So, and and this is something I wish Glenn had been here for, but, you know, he had to take a quick break because we're, we're doing a lot of recording today, a little 
insider information for those out there. But um, it is every game runner, game master has a very different style. Very different. Um, and Glenn likes to focus a lot on the a very oh. mechanical codified thing. Like he likes combat. He likes to alter the way combat works, give you unique tools to play in, in a, in a, in a world. So it's the reason we got things like golems. This is the reason he had like a, a teleporty weird boss. There's a reason we had a fight where they were connected to the crystal. Cause he likes to modify this coded combat system. And D and D fourth edition is a good system for that. Cause it already has a very mechanic driven combat. Okay. Um, so, so far we haven't had a whole lot of time to really get into what it really is to role play. And I wouldn't say that it's very different than what we've done. It just gets a lot more, um, descriptive. Uh, maybe Nick, you can explain it better than I can. Um, like the difference well, between when, when, how this kind of role play goes and how some of our deeper sort of fleshed out role play goes. Sure. Um, I've played, this is, I don't know if I should consider this a different group since most of us are the same people, yeah. but um, technically this is my, what do you think, like third group? It's like third or fourth. We've done like four of these. Well, I mean, like as, this is my second group of people I've played with. I've played okay. D&D before, way before. It was like first edition D&D. Okay. And the way that they played is there's no pen and paper. It was, you have your character sheet, pretty much, and that's just to record useful information, your stats. Uh, Like, you had, like, 12 HP kind of shit, and it was all you sit around with each other in a circle, and the GM just starts setting up your, your, um, your game, and you all just talk. Like, you don't interact with miniatures, you don't interact with the board, you don't, there's nothing. It was just all mental. And that was a very very role play heavy experience because you had you had to role play there's nothing physically for you to interact with so in combat it was kind of like everybody trying to meld their own versions of a combat situation together mm-hmm. and make sense of it mm-hmm. it was definitely interesting um it's not something that i really enjoy too much like I, it's not to say i don't have an imagination but i prefer to physically interact with things that's my whole way of being i guess um so it was kind of difficult for me to to do that especially because i felt like i always got picked on because in that group i was always the first to get killed in combat because they always had it out for me for some reason Mm -hmm. um stuff like that and then we got together and i was actually the first dm for our little group before um honestly i can't tell you how i i did i think i did okay Mm -hmm. um i think everybody had an enjoyable experience it was most of all of the group's first time. Yeah. Um, and I do believe I went a lot more role play E than. Well, this is, um, this is sort of Nick's style. So if I was to give each of our players, cause most of us, well, between me, Nick, Dan and Glenn, we've all DM'd for a game at one time or another. Dan is super RP. Um, so well, are you there? are very distinct differences, especially even between the way me and Dan do it. We're both, I would say we're the heaviest role play focused storytellers in the group, but, um, we're very different, um, in how we do that. So, um, if I were to say Nick is, he was very sort of, um, prepared. Like we went into a town and he kind of already knew everybody that lived in the town. Uh, what would happen when we went where, what information we needed to ascertain from that town. Um, like he had it all written, like the, the fucker had like a notebook with all these notes in it. And it was amazing. Cause it was kind of like, there was no pause between us doing something and him giving us like the image. He kind of already had it drawn out. And to his detriment, I think the problem became is that's a lot of work on the DM's end to come up with that level of thought ahead of time. And kudos to him. You know, because that creates a very sort of um, snappy, sort of um, vibrant experience. But like I said, it can be uh, hard to maintain. So, um, and then Dan is very role play oriented, but he also 
is sort of mechanically role played oriented, right? So, um, in the same way where Glenn has us roll a lot, I think um, Dan does the same, but it's more interspersed and it's sort of like a lot happens out of it where um, Glenn likes us to roll for very basic things in the same way you would in a, a game like Shadowrun or Baldur's Gate. Like everything is a skill check and that's the way Glenn likes to run it. Dan's are sort of like life and death if it is if he's having you roll like it can either go amazingly or it can go really bad and um my style is sort of i'm not going to have you roll at all really unless it's important for you to roll like if it is important that you could miss information or for me to even lie to you because i will actively lie to you if if so let's say for instance to um last session right I rolled an Arcana check to examine the crystal. Right, Marcus? Yeah. Um, what it would work in my game, if I rolled such a low roll, I might give the player misinformation because he did a very bad job of interpreting what he's reading. And um, instead of... And I have no problem with watching players bump around in a box until they figure out where they've got to go, and neither does Dan. But... Um, Glenn hasn't had as much experience as either of us in that that regard. So he has to, he sort of, he has, since he puts so much thought into these mechanically driven events, we sort of end up going in that direction. And there's nothing wrong with that. It happens. Everybody's different. So um, until, when we start moving and playing other systems, you'll see when, you know, I run a game or Nick runs a game, you'll sort of see the differences. And, um, if I were to ask you another question, it would be, <coughs> excuse me, I gotta breathe. What do you think, what What do you kind of look forward to the most as we continue to do this? Um, I like the combat. Okay. So that's sort of what you I'm like the most? You like you like the, the sort of tactical turn-based combat thing we do? Yeah. Okay, okay. Is there anything, um, so let's go, let's, so what sort of things interest you about the combat do you want to see more of the way Glenn likes to change it up about like because you saw tonight like us as like avid MMO players we're kind of like okay this is how this boss mechanic works right and we were having to figure it out so you want to see more of that and more complex sort of encounters in that way yeah I definitely liked how um it was different from what we'd seen previously Mm -hmm. and uh and, and Glenn's good at that. Like, if I give Glenn credit for something, it's going to be that he's good at coming up with unique things for us to do in that regard. So um, I can only imagine that will continue moving forward. Now, as far as a character development standpoint, where would you like to see... This is where we get real metatextual. Uh, <laughs> where would you like to see your character, Hydrarnes, go? What would you like to see um, happen with him? Um, um, I'd like to see more of the... The tank aspect of like the paladin. Okay, okay, because we are figure out more of the things I can do to like buff people up or. Okay, because we are in a unique situation where our group does have two tanks. Uh, both you and Dan are playing tank characters. Um, Nick with a very solid damage per round setup, like he fucking murders shit. Yeah. And I am the quote unquote healer. Um, but it is good that you picked a paladin or something that can support heal be or like backup heal because I don't have. I have very limited use of my heals, um, unlike most other healing classes. So that's good you picked it. Now, um, and so thinking about moving forward, this is actually a good thing to bring up. Um, At level 11, uh, sort of Dungeons & Dragons is broken into tiers. So right now we are in the heroic tier. Levels 1 to 11, or 1 through 10, essentially, are of the heroic tier. Um, Once we reach level 11... We enter the Paragon tier. Now, have I talked to you about this before? No. Okay. Let me pull up the website here. So, moving from now to level 11, you should be considering, and this is something you will have to discuss with Glenn, because obviously he's starting to build in story points into how our characters develop mechanically, which is something any good DM should do. Um, But you should think about it from as early as level four, you know, as early as we are, because if you're picking all these skills and 
spells up to a certain point and then you get to level 11 you're like oh there's this awesome paragon path that i love but it doesn't work with any of the abilities i've taken so far you can always retrain a couple at a time as you level but it makes more beneficial mechanical sense to be prepared and have those already in place for when you hit level 11 because like plan out how you're going to spec yourself yeah because um it is a very large power jump when you say so nick level 11 um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely an impact. Like most people start their games at level 11 yeah. because it's, it's just that much of a difference. Like you don't really feel powerful until then. Yeah. So, Is that where you can kind of, um, remember you were telling me about, uh, you can get like different class abilities. Like I can spec into like a half warrior or something. Like um, that. you can do that all along. You can multi-class at any point And we can discuss that, um, when we do something where we level you up, but just sort of give you an example. Um, at level 11, you pick Paragon paths and for, I'm looking at Paladins now, if they're like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, like at least 30 of these bastards. All right. And so, um, one of them, uh, let's just pick one that's an actual paladin one. Okay, this one is called an astral weapon. Flavor Texas, with the power of the astral sea flowing through me, and my faith is powerful as a weapon. I fight as my gods wills. Um, and then the only prerequisite is that you're a paladin. Um, it gives you enemies currently marked by you that attack your allies without attacking you. Take a negative two penalty to all defenses until they are no longer marked by you. And when you spend an action point to regain one paladin and encounter power, oh, you can spend an action point to regain an encounter power you have already used instead of taking an extra action. Um, and it gives you access to a bunch of uh, additional spells. And there are a bunch of them like that where it, it so um, when in heroic tier, you're a very generalized version of your class. You hit 11, you become a little more specialized. It's sort of like... Like that one would focus on marks... Um, it focuses on marks. It sort of it, it focuses more on um, it. The best analogy I can use to describe to you is levels one through ten are essentially um, like to put it in Warcraft terms. It is before you pick your specialization. You're still a paladin and you have paladin oh, okay. abilities, but at level eleven is when you would say, "I'm a fucking retribution paladin. I'm a prot paladin." You know. But okay. not not necessarily as different because, you know, you're already a tank. So obviously, in any way you go, you're going to be more tanky. You know, uh, you're just going to get more specialized as you get higher in levels. Um, and then when you reach level 21, you pick your epic destiny, and that is less um, less specializing, but it has an even bigger impact on your game. Like, but at that point, you are. You are the end-all, be-all. Like, one epic destiny is demigod. Like, you are essentially a demigod at level 21. So, um, it's just um, something to think about. Like, uh, if you want some time when, um, you know, you have extra time and you want me to go over all these with you. So, when you, you know, you and Glenn sit down and decide where your character is going, you sort of have something in mind. We can certainly do that. But, um, so, from that standpoint... Other than mechanically, you know, other than getting more tanky, being able to control more characters, um, thematically, uh, characteristically, where do you see Hydrani's going? Because we already know, um, what we already know about the character, at least the audience does, is that you're from a village that got destroyed because you were unable to protect it to the fullest. What sort of character... um, points would you like to see him hit um at some point in the story i would like to see him coming to terms with you know failing his people okay and um you know we've kind of already killed the person that caused it so that's i think that's part of that well we we think we might have we don't know yeah Um, he kind of jabbed at that so who knows if he was lying so um it just um and as far as we know he's a puzzle in a much bigger picture because obviously that's how the typical fantasy story goes right so um but that's that's cool um as far as how things work and function do you have any other questions you seem to get be getting uh 
a larger handle on it. There are a lot of nuances that, you know, will come and go in your, your periphery as you get more experience playing. But are there any, um, any questions you have as far as how things work or, um, anything like in, in that regard? No, I think, um, I, I, like towards the end, um, well, I mean, in the beginning I, I was like, well, what do I do? I yeah. like completely forgot, but then it came back to me pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty basic. I mean, do you feel that Dungeons and Dragons is easier than you thought it would be to play? I do. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, when you talk about people talking about playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it's like, oh, there's all these books. There's got to be so hard, right? Yeah, but that's it, what I had imagined. Yeah, it's really not. It's it's really not. It's really not that hard. And I think you've but done I'll an excellent say, what? I would say the most difficult part is actually trying to role play. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the hardest part to get into. It really is, 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 because I was really. You can ask Nick that first campaign we played. I was so bad at it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to do anything. Like I played a character. And I played. I essentially played Nikolai, but he talked less. Huh. And uh, yeah, that, more stupid. Yeah, basically, in that first game we played. And really, though, the only person that talked was Dan because yeah. Maddie didn't know what Maddie. Like no offense, I guess I don't know if they're going to listen to this, but she really didn't interact with anybody at all during those things. And well, it it's it's different. Like, I mean, everybody. She wasn't. She wasn't. You know, um, like familiar with all of us, and it, it's a very, it's a very hard situation to come into and play a game like that with people you're not familiar with, and um, like I said, Marcus is I think has done very well stepping in with only person he knew was me, and you know. Um, that episode there where he got tossed right into the role play with Nick. Nick threw him under the bus right away. Like, my like, bad. Like, uh, with the whole dagger storyline. And I thought it worked out fantastic. I, I mean, there's not a whole lot I can expect out of, you know, fresh role players. And it's, it's great. Um, I think we've had a lot of fun and I look forward to keeping it up. And I would like to do this again where we check in because you are our resident noob, if you will, right? Like, you're not, yeah. you're not, you, you know, you're not used to this. And I want to see. I'm very intrigued um, because you can ask both uh, Glenn and Nick. I like to uh, take viewpoints on all versions of the show where I get strangely metatextual, right? And I I, I like to look at overarching like themes and progressions through things. And I would like to see where you end up as far as your attitude towards this in after another few months. Um, And I'm sure our listeners would too. Um, but I think I, I know this has been a short show for everybody out there, but we just kind of wanted to sit down and talk about what we've been doing. Um, Nick, would you like have, have anything to add or any questions for Marcus here? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, okay. Um, would you be willing to, I guess, stick around for another game session or were you kind of like one and done after Glenn's finished GMing? No, I definitely think I'd like to um, to see more of this. Okay. Um, to follow up on that, that's a good question, Nick. Uh, are you prepared or anticipate trying other systems other than Dungeons and Dragons? Because um, this is going to be the most uh, codified, mechanically driven system we use. Yeah, I think I'd be prepared for for trying. You know, like a different game. It's it's all the same you know style right um ish you'll have to see how it plays out because there's a few of them that can be adapted to different settings and different styles but some of them are more role play heavy some of them um but D is definitely the most combat oriented of the lot that we currently have at our disposal yeah i definitely like to see a different um a different class as well okay yeah because i mean there's nothing saying that we won't run a separate D campaign at some point with another dm all right nick you got any more um yeah, it's going along with a separate campaign. If there's anybody currently in the group, who would you who would you want to um, GM next, and why? Oh, that's a good question. I think Brent, and I'd say because he um, he tends to like throw curveballs a lot, and I think it'd be interesting to see that. Man, he called it. I think I throw some curveballs, don't you, Nick? Um, it's pretty much you take um, you take the most dismal situation that you can possibly think of in any given circumstance, um, and then you amp that up to eleven, 
And then it's still not good enough for Brent because there's, you know, there's still some hope in there. And you've got to dash that against the wall. <laughs> um, so then you throw on a, a field-wide AoE on the enemy that we don't know about until, you know... No, um, that is bullshit. I tell you about every aura going into combat. That is a lie. That's what it feels like, man. I that's, that is a lie. Like. When we start, I'm like, this guy does this, this guy does this. End of story. Alright. But yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a ball buster and it's it's a good mix though, because he know we generally we meta the the whole game. Um I don't know if that's like your type of deal. Like if you go into the character and like you try to figure out the best um, things to do for that character, or if you do some outside research and see what other people have done, uh, but that's kind of what I do, and I guess that's what Dan and Glenn do as well. So Brent has to combat that, um, so that's the whole combat-oriented side, and then he does a good job of keeping the actual like a plot line going and leaving room for everybody to kind of and not have their own. And, that? I, and I said not that anybody isn't. Uh, I think it, I, I think it's very important to say these are different styles like Glenn has a very distinct plot line going on but that plot line is secondary to the cool things we get to do in combat to me the the plot line is primary with everything else being adjunct to the the plot and I'm not saying one is better than the other I'm just saying they're different but continue uh, yeah that's, I wasn't like trying to apply I know but it, it, it I just wanted to make it clear that I'm not trying to to da- we're not trying to downplay anybody's style. If there's somebody out there that loves combat, like we're not saying you're you're a terrible person. I just was I meant like if you ever do GM with this group, he'd be getting a completely not a completely different experience, but it would feel like a completely different experience. Yeah. At, at the head. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking that it um, you know, after playing a couple of different games and seeing you know different styles. Um, I'd definitely like to try my hand at GMing. We could definitely work that out. Um, and because th- this, um, like we said before, um, I don't know if we've told you per se, but we've certainly said it on the air on the show that the plans for the show is we want multiple campaigns going. So we'll play Glenn's game until we get to a clear, concise, like end of act one, right? Like this is kind of the end of the prologue, but we're looking for an end of act one. And then somebody else will take over for a little while, and we'll play a different game, a different system, a different campaign, whatever, for a little while. And so they get to an end of Act 1. And we just sort of keep it rotating, because um, person, we can all speak from experience. DMing for an extended period of time takes a lot of time. It's very creatively draining, because you have to keep constantly coming up with new ideas. And it's very... It, you just want to play a game instead of run a game. So um, we'll just keep them rotating. And there is definitely, once you have a little more experience under your belt, there's definitely room for you to step in and, you know, give it a go. I, I, I personally look forward to seeing what your DM style would be at that point in time. Um, and I would say that it takes a couple of tries before you really get settled in. Yeah. Because um, the only one I really did, like I, we kind of did one where I was doing, where I was jamming, but then that kind of fell through because whether it be from lack of interest or just everybody just kind of like said fuck it. Uh, but the first one I did was really railroaded because it was our first game, mm-hmm. so that's my excuse for that. And well, and it's um, it, how do I put this? Railroading is not the end all be all sign of any a bad campaign i think railroading is fine i uh, it's if, if a dm has a story they want to tell what exactly you, do you mean by that railroading is um when it's a good question marcus i didn't even consider that you would know what railroading is railroading is a term used in role-playing games where the dm presents you with a so let's say um you have to save the like the dm wants you to save the princess right and then everything you do point you back to saving the princess. It doesn't matter if you decide to take a boat to a different country. Uh, for some reason, the boat sank and you had to return to shore. You know, like you keep running into these invisible walls um, when you're role playing that keep pushing you in a clear direction where you really can't break free of that and explore and do things in an open world. And to extent, every DM ends up doing it. Like there are very few DMs I know that could truly run like a sandbox game. Most of them have a story they want to tell and they sort of have to nudge and hint you in that direction. And it's just a matter of how well they cover up those rails, you know? Um, 
So, I mean, it's, it's, it's typically a term used to describe like a, like a very overbearing, forceful dungeon. So like a linear, just a linear game. Very linear, very linear. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not saying that's, a, that's a, a bad thing. And, um, that actually gives me an excellent idea for when you think you want to, and this would be much later down the line. We could do so like a DM workshop where we bring in, um, me, you, Nick, Glenn, and Dan, and we talk about, um, advice for DMing pitfalls of DMing. I think that would make an interesting episode. Um, but do you have any other questions, Nick? Um, one more, I guess one more. Okay. Um, you're playing like a tanky with leader class, right? Is that what it's considered or no, it's defender. 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 I'm a leader. Yep. Um, do you feel like you're getting the, I guess, play experience from the class that you anticipated before from like what you're doing now? Like, do you feel like in the future it might get better or did you, are you kind of regretting your decision? You would have rather have done something else. I mean, playing a paladin in world of Warcraft, I kind of had that. Like, I felt like that was kind of like my expectation of what a paladin in D and D was. Okay. Um, so no, I don't think it did live up to my expectation. All right. Yeah. They're, they're very different. Uh, they are that, um, but they're also very different games. Yeah. Warcraft is very active, sort of like you have lots of spells because you have a lot to fill in in short bursts of time. Where Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you only really are doing something once every couple, you know, you know, once every minute to two minutes. So you can't have this huge spell book worth of spells that you know you don't you don't not spamming one button to build up enough thing to do another button. It's a very different sort of thing, and um, it can it can still feel like that um, because this is something I emphasize. No matter whether I'm doing or not, everything is about flavor. There's a reason. Um, it's something I think was it me that started or Dan where um, when you attack you have the option to describe what the attack looks like, right? And that's sort of where you get the flair. So if in your mind, every time your character's bringing that hammer down, like there's this bolt of, of uh, sun Jesus energy coming down with it that smites him in his face, is it's it's that's perfectly okay because it's not giving you any mechanical advantage, but it's making the character feel more like that holy warrior where you're using this... Sp- in this world, sun, holy radiance to attack and affect your enemies. Just like, um, how you describe your, um, divine, like your AOE challenge, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're raising up your shield and bashing the hammer, taunting everyone in a room that sort of gives that ability its own contextual feeling. The reason that they're distracted by you is because you're like, yeah, motherfuckers bring it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that so that's the reason you know like in my mind my character is this like he's just got all this junk over him so that's why i explain my spells as him using these little bits of junk because it sort of adds to the flavor of the character and you are more than welcome when we play to do that because it adds flavor it adds excitement even if it's for nobody but you right right yeah i mean it enhanced the show itself too so um feel free to do that and it you can make it feel more like that if you you want because i i can't speak for glenn because he is in charge of that this this rodeo but um he's not gonna say like no that's not what happened if you want to say you know describe an attack as you know you your shield glowing with sun energy and you bringing it down on their head leaving some brand on their face you know as describing your mark or an ability it does it does it is zero bearing as long as it, you're not trying to mechanically change what the the ability is doing you can describe it however you want um but i think i think that's it unless uh nick has some more questions well i feel like we've spent all this time asking him questions do you have any questions for us yeah, Marcus, do you have any questions for us? Um, what's your favorite color? Oh man, that's a hard one. No, purple. I like purple. Oh my god. Um. All right. Uh, I like green and teal. Teal. Mm. 
Right, you right, get now, serious question. Um, so where do you guys like see your characters going? I know Nick, your guys kind of like a like an emo. Let me kill everything. I don't give a shit. Damn. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't really call him emo. He's more apathetic. Same difference, bro. Yeah. Not really. Yeah, but... No, because like if he's emo, he'd be like, "Oh, fuck everybody." Oh, you love what with right. me? I wish my grass was like uh, Ganicoli. That way, he can yeah, cut itself. Got it. But no, where do you see your <laughs> where do you see your character going, Nick? Uh, well, actually, I feel like during this month gap, um, like because we've got this dude's corpse, like Brooke's corpse, um, something must have happened to him to enable him to change into this demonic-looking thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to either um, work alongside um, somebody, like in, whether in, within the Iron Armada or without, um, to figure out exactly what happened to make him change this way and see if we can um, find any positive effects to give to us to give okay. us a kind of boost. So okay. I, will, I will be attempting to convince people to leave some kind of research on that and failing that just uh, I mean I guess it really depends on what if we're still with the Iron Armada because it's been pretty much taken apart from the inside um, whether or not we go to another mercenary group it's going to just I guess it's going to kind of depend on what's going on because I'm kind of just here for the ride like that's been my my thing like my village was fucked up I joined the mercenary company and then I've been bouncing between mercenary companies ever since so Okay. Feeling like nothing better to do. Uh, living to kill, like the dude said, I've got all the skill, but I don't have any a goal to focus it on. You know. Okay. So. Okay. Um, I am not going to give it all away because, uh, like, surprise, surprise, I put way more thought into every character I play than I should. Um, you can ask Nick about this. Um, when I when I DM'd, we had such a small group. I had to supplement the party with NPCs and each of them had way more backstory than I think any of the real players had actually put into their own characters. But, um, so it's just, it's sort of what I do. I can't help but obsess over things that way. So, um, my character does have a pretty detailed backstory. Um, notice no one's referenced his name. You don't really know a whole lot about him other than, um, what you've seen on screen. But, uh, Look forward to, I would say, look forward to um, some of his backstory becoming more fleshed out, why he's there, why um, someone who detests combat the way he does is part of it, like the strike team instead of research and development, Um, you know, sort of there. He will he's going to start focusing more on his sort of inventions and taking charge there um, and sort of taking um sort of working on this sort of uh almost i would say uh, natural born in quotes um leadership tactician quality he has um and see that develop more but outside of that i don't want to give too much away because i don't know just me i want to leave something no spoilers so (laughs) Um, but, and like Glenn said, you know, he's going to be working with, with, um, I don't know. Has he already got with you about what he wants to do moving forward or is that he's, have y'all got to do that? Mark talking to me. No. Yeah. Um, well just, I'll put it to you this way. Um, when DMs do this, where they sit down and have these little discussions with you about where you, they want your character to go, what you're doing over this month, this is you sort of getting to add things to their world, right? So when you come to the table, sort of have an idea of who your people were, where they came from, what sort of story arcs you would find interesting, because he's essentially, it's going to be you two sort of building this interim together and sort of writing this mini novella together, right? So just think about it, you know, and it, it'll it'll help you when you two get together to talk about it. And so you're not complete, you know, you're not you're not blindsided by the questions he asks you, because I can tell you, wow, ahead of time that that's sort of what's going to happen 
is it's okay. going to be where you two sort of doing some world building together so that you and him have a chunk of the world. Me and him have a chunk of the world. Nick and him have a chunk of the world. Dan and him have a chunk of the world. So um, that way, because there's this awesome thing you can do when you role play that you that not every character has this shared pool of information. There are things that I know that the other characters won't know. There are things that you as Marcus will know about the world that the other characters and players at the table won't know. And that makes for a very dynamic sort of interpersonal things that can happen there. And it's awesome. I look forward to doing it. And um, I think we went to end the show like four times. I didn't realize we were going to talk this long on this, to be honest. I thought it would be clean, cut, and dry, but I think it's been a good discussion. What about you guys? Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, I didn't want it to go too short, so. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, so let me uh, pull up the outro here. That's going to be loud again. It's always so loud. Okay. All right, that's sexy, sexy ska music. I love ska music. It's great. Okay. It would be great if I had my stuff up, wouldn't it? I always do this. I'm so bad at this. Be professional. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The RPG Show Presents. Do you like the show, or should we just stop rambling so you can actually breathe, you moron? Either way, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Each one helps, and we love you for it have comments or questions you can email us at podcast at the rpg show.com you can follow us on twitter at the rpg podcast and you need some more rpg show action well search for rpg show on twitch and youtube we have content that should be coming up there shortly and until next time bye everybody bye, bye.